I am not an expert. I've never published a book or taught a class, but I love quilting, and I love talking about quilting. I make a lot of mistakes, but I like to think that sometimes I learn from them and get just a little bit better. If hearing about someone else's goofs and mess-ups makes you feel better about yours, then I've done my job. Join me now as we talk about quilting for the rest of us. Hey, I'm Sandy and I'm a quilter and welcome to episode 159 in which I got some more stuff done and I'm recording this on, I have no idea, Friday, June 20th, 2014. Um, I am never really a Friday girl, but I decided to try to get this recorded tonight so that I could have the whole weekend stretching in front of me uh, without feeling like I still had something left I really needed to get done. I've had a very busy few weekends in a row. This is the first weekend in a while that we don't have anything scheduled whatsoever except the possibility of my son coming over for dinner on Sunday night. Um, but other than that, nothing going on. So guess what I'm going to be trying to do? Lots of sewing and some dyeing and maybe even just some sitting around on my butt and reading. <laughs> so I decided to see if I could get this recorded tonight um, to clear my decks for the rest of the weekend. So uh, I want to say thank you to everybody for listening. Thank you to anybody who is a new listener. Thanks for stopping by and giving this podcast a try. And also thank you um, to all of you who have been around a while. You are the foundation upon which I have built quilting for the rest of us. So I really appreciate um, your time and your commitment. I've got just a couple of announcements to begin with, and then most of this content, uh, most of this podcast is going to be Sandy update about stuff I've been accomplishing, um, maybe some little uh, tutorial information in there and some product reviews, although, oh, I guess I do have a new product review, uh, but also an affirmation of a previous product review. So the first announcement is... A rather momentous one, actually, in the world of quilting. Charlotte of Scrapitude fame has decided she is indeed going to start designing and selling scrap quilt patterns, um, and the first of which will be Scrapitude. So sometime this summer, it will be removed from my website. She's still figuring out her sense of timing and et cetera, et cetera. So it'll either be the middle of July or early August that it'll get pulled from my website. So she wanted me to make sure I announced that uh, to all of my listeners because she is a so, so appreciative of all of you who did play along with Scrapitude, who posted your pictures um, in the Flickr group. She was thrilled by how many people chose to participate. And so she wanted to let you know that if you have not yet downloaded the instructions from my website, you might want to go ahead and do that because they will get pulled sometime in the next few months. Um, we are already working on the next mystery quilt. To the best of my knowledge at this point, it will still be on my website the next time around. Um, however, since she's going to be starting to create her own brand, I have already started working on her about the fact that she'll really need to have her own blog as a part of that. Um, so I can't really speak to anything beyond that, but you will start seeing some information about uh, the next Scrapitude probably early fall. Hang on, I'm going to pause and answer the phone. Okay, phone answered. That was my husband. He's going to be home a little bit later, which gives me 
even more opportunity to actually get this recorded. Uh, so what was I talking about? I think I had finished talking about Scrapitude. The other one is again to let you know that indeed the Band Books Week Challenge is going to be happening again this year. Tanisha and I have been emailing back and forth about it. It'll be mostly the same thing we did last year, but we might add some interesting new twists this year. So you may want to go ahead and start looking at the Band Books lists to decide what book you might do it on this year. Um, the You can go to www.bandbooksweek.org, and I will put a link to that in the show notes to this episode. Um, I was going through the 2012-2013 Bander Challenge list a few days ago, and I decided this year that I'm going to pick a book off the list that I hadn't actually read before. And I've since ordered it from Amazon. I'm not going to say what it is yet because... Um, you know, I may or may not be inspired by it once I've read it. It is, it's a new book. It's not an old classic. Um, but it really, it's something kind of right up my alley. Sounds like it's got some good possibilities. Um, and the story behind it getting banned was just too perfect to pass up. So I've got high hopes for it. Haven't gotten it yet, but I will let you know more when that all starts shaking out. But again, you may want to go ahead and start thinking about what book you might focus on this year, should you choose to take part in the Banned Books Week Challenge. So those are all my announcements. Let's talk about Sandy Update. First of all, why haven't you heard from me for a while? Um, Partly, like I said, we've just had kind of busy weekends. But, you know, I've really just been in withdrawal mode. Um, I mean, y'all know, as I was talking in my last episode, I think it was whenever that got posted, that I had been out of town for a speaking engagement, was super busy that whole weekend. They had me doing quite a bit of the weekend. Um, And had had just a boatload of evening conference calls and all sorts of stuff. I was trying madly, desperately to get done, deadlines met and everything. So I was just going, you know, full tilt from April through the end of May and early June. Um, And the only reason it's actually slowed down a little bit now, first of all, the speaking engagements are now behind me. I'm now just looking towards our summer events. I've met a couple of those deadlines. They're done and, and off my table now. Um, I'm in kind of a pause point on another deadline where it's now on somebody else's desk, but it will eventually come back to me. But the (laughs) the biggest reason why this, the next couple of weeks will actually be fairly quiet is we have a group of women currently on a um, trip to the Republic of Georgia. They just left Wednesday. They just arrived well, for us today, they're in some other time zone. So I, you know, I've kind of lost track of what day it is for them compared to what day it is for us. But even though there's only six people on this t- group that are going, four of them are the people that have been keeping me engaged in all these conference calls. <laughs> so basically, you know, it's nice. You just ship everybody out of the country <laughs> and things get remarkably quiet. So for the next couple of weeks, I, I don't think I've got any evening conference calls, which is nice. Um, I do have some personal stuff going on in the evenings, and in fact, you heard me reference a couple of episodes ago, I think, that I had signed up for a spinning class, the type in which you are using a spinning wheel and fiber, not the type in which you are sitting on a bicycle and exercising. That type would be far better for me, I'm sure, but I've um, signed up for the spinning class, and it's actually this coming Wednesday and then the Wednesday following. So those are two nights that I'll be out during these two weeks where I have no conference calls. Uh, And I believe I have my design study group either next week or the week after. 
Um, so, you know, I've got a little bit of that kind of stuff, but that's, that's fun, creative stuff and doesn't demand me to be mentally present in the same way that a work conference call does. So that feels good. Um, but that being said, I decided this past week, I wasn't even really on Twitter much, um, wasn't on Facebook much other than a couple of those silly games, you know, what kind of metaphor are you or whatever, uh, because I just really felt the need to kind of pull it back in, um, it's sort of like a dandelion, you know, when they go to seed, everything flies off and there's nothing left in the center. And that's kind of what I was really starting to feel like, that I was putting all this stuff just out there and I had nothing left really in me. And so I've been kind of regrouping, um, pulling it in, spending a lot of time just kind of being quiet, hanging out with my family, but trying not to do too much else. And I am feeling a lot better now than I was, you know, a couple of weeks ago. I am going to still stay a little bit on the quiet side in terms of social networking and stuff. Um, and the flip side to that is, you know how much you actually get done when you're not on Twitter talking about what you're getting done? <laughs> I actually, you know, I've been very accomplished the last week or so. It's been very useful to spend more time in my sewing room. Um, so this summer, just be aware I may not be... Uh, podcasting quite as often, partly because I'm either traveling, prepping for travel, or recovering from travel, uh, but also because I've still, you know, like I said, I'm still in the middle of deadlines, even though right now at this very moment it's kind of hit a pause point, all that's coming back to my desk, and so I'm just trying to really be careful of my energy levels and kind of how I'm engaging with the world at any given time uh, so that I can survive the summer as healthy as possible. Um, so that's some explanation aside. Let's talk about what I have actually gotten done. Uh, I'm not going to repeat a whole lot that's on my blog, but just to give you highlights in case you don't follow my blog, um, I did get my building blocks quilt done. That's the one that was the pattern by Jackie of So Excited Quilts. Uh, got the borders on it, quilted it with a basic meander stitch and did a darn good job on that meander. Now I've been meandering for years, but you know, it, it, you can get eyelashes, you can get puckers in the back, you can get all of those problems like you have when you're learning how to machine quilt. I had none of those on this quilt. Not a single pucker, not a single eyelash. Some stitches a little larger than others, but no real toe catchers um, really did a good job on it. And I think that shows, because I've been focusing so much on my machine quilting skills this year. I still can't follow a darn line on a stencil for the life of me, but I've got that meander down. So that's something. Um, that felt really good. I did mail it to my friend. This is the one that um, got repurposed from a donation quilt to uh, sending it to a friend of mine who just had um, surgery. And I have honored her request not to really, uh, she has asked that nobody really be in touch with her. She said she's just, you know, taking time to recuperate. There's a couple of key people, obviously her family. Um, so there's a friend of mine who has been to visit her, um, a mutual friend. And so I've been getting uh, feedback from her about where my friend is. Fortunately, everything seems to be going very well for my friend. She's recovering from the surgery. They think they got everything. It was breast cancer. Um, there has been no involvement in the lymph nodes and it doesn't even sound like she's going to need follow-up chemo or radiation. We're still um, kind of waiting confirmation on that, but it seems like it's the best possible outcome to a difficult situation. So I appreciate all of those who, of you who were asking about her um, 
and sending up your own prayers and thoughts for her. I really appreciate that. She seems to be doing very, very well. And I imagine in another two, three weeks, I will probably hear from her directly. I do know she did get the quilt and she absolutely loves it. Um, my friend happened to be there, I think on the day maybe she got it or the day right after. So my friend has, my other friend has seen it as well. Um, it's, it's a little embarrassing because one of the things that our mutual friend said to me is, by the way, the name of that quilt is just perfect. And I'm like, okay, now I feel like a fraud. <laughs> because if you recall, those of you who follow the blog, I just named it after the fabric line. I was so completely uncreative, but it did just fit. It's called Good Morning. And it just seemed like a good title and a happy one for my friend. And so I just went with it. And now I feel like, yeah, yeah, I can take no credit whatsoever <laughs> for coming up with a good name for that quilt. But anyway, um, you know, woohoo for me. Um, like I said, I was really glad to uh, get it done and be able to get it to her in a very timely fashion. I have discovered the beauty of just working on quilts for no reason because they tend to end up with a reason before they're done. And if they don't, wouldn't it be great to have quilts done on your shelf ready for any possible <laughs> need to just get them out the door? That's something I dream of. I don't know that I'll ever get there, but it was nice to have that already halfway done. Um, the other quilt that has been received, and I don't think this had happened before I recorded my last episode, I apologize, I apologize if I'm repeating myself, was the Dr. Seuss baby quilt. That was the one that I had made um, for a surprise for the woman who had lost out in the bidding for the original one last summer at our summer uh, women's events when it was um, auctioned off at a fundraiser. And so she didn't know it was coming, and so I got it in the mail, and my personal deadline had been getting it done before this year's summer event, and I managed to get it done before this year's summer event. I think I put it in the mail right before I went to my speaking engagement, which was the weekend, the first weekend of June. And I did, I got a beautiful email. Um, yes, I did get it because she got it while I was in Nebraska, and I got the email from her while I was in Nebraska. Um, it, it, she was just so touched that I had done that. And she was, uh, it was just a beautiful email that she sent me. Uh, she even mentioned something possibly about having squealed when she opened it. Uh, it's intended for a future grandchild. And given that none of her children are even in a significant relationship in the moment, it will be in storage for a while. But she did tell me apparently her kids are already arguing over who's going to get this baby quilt. So that felt good to um, get that done as well. Um, I posted on my blog while I was in Nebraska, I learned from a lovely woman named Eileen uh, that uh, how to do a dimensional bow tie block. Now, I've seen these all over the place, um, and I did, after I posted my blog post on it, I did find a uh, link to a YouTube video, which I did not embed in my blog, because I, you know, Eileen figured this out on her own. I wanted to do the honor of just Here's her instructions. Um, Eileen is not really online much, <laughs> so I don't even have an email address to send her a link uh, to the blog. I need to still try to track that down. But anyway, um, what I typed up were Eileen's instructions, and then I did a, a couple of blocks when I got home and took photos and, and posted that all in the tutorial on my blog. That was sometime last week. Um, and I got four blocks done just for the blog post. I now have another 12 or so in the works because those things are really fast to put together. Um, they, they don't take, the block doesn't take that much time at all. And 
I am doing mine with five inch squares because um, as I mentioned in the blog post, I have a boatload of five inch squares and charm packs, but mostly I'm working off my scrap set, which is an entire drawer full of five inch squares. And my biggest issue is that I have a lot of multiples. I have a lot, you know, like six of one fabric and five of another fabric. And when I'm trying to do, when I've been doing the scrapitude scrap quilts um, and some other scrap projects, I don't, I try to only use my usual rule of thumb is only two of the same fabric for any one piece that I'm cutting. So like if I have to cut one inch, one and a half inch squares, then I only use two of the same fabric for any of those squares. Um, and in some cases that just doesn't have, hasn't made enough of a dent in some of my five inch square multiple stacks. So this is a great way because, um, the design I've been doing, you can use any fabrics you want, but I've been using two very light, you know, tone on tone kind of off-white or cream colored squares for the background. And then you use three other squares to make the sort of bow tie block. And so I've been just using three of the same um, fabric for the bow tie. Uh, and it's it's been great to kind of knock down some of those multiple groupings in my um, stash. So that's been good. Uh, so I've got if I, when I get these 12 blocks done, I'm, I, they're only about halfway done at this point. When I get all 12 of them done, that'll give me what, 15, 16, 16 squares. And then I'm going to have to do some math and figure out how many, I think I might actually want 30 to do a decent size lap quilt, but I haven't decided. Uh, starting with five inch squares, your bow tie block comes to nine and a half inches unfinished. Uh, so if I do a nice lap size, something that would actually cover adult legs. That's something like five across and six down or so, but that doesn't include any sashing or borders. So I'm just going to do a bunch of blocks until I'm bored of doing blocks <laughs> and then I'll decide what to do next. This is not, I don't have a deadline on this. I'm just sort of putting these blocks together whenever I feel like a quick, I think I just want to do a block right now. And I do it that way. Um, I did also get 15 more scarves dyed. <laughs> if you recall, I have to have something like 70 done by our event in September. And I think I'm up to somewhere like 30, 29, 30, something like that now. Um, I'm not dyeing these in bulk. And yes, I know I could throw them all in a bucket and figure out the math and dye them all at once, but it's harder to really get a good model that way, M-O-T-T-L-E. Um, where you know the the colors intentionally uneven and kind of comes up with some kind of neat patterns i really i don't want these to come out solid colors i want each one to be unique so that means right now anyway i'm doing them each in individual containers and i only have 15 containers that are big enough for the scarf once it's you know scrunched down into the container so i can only do batches of 15 at a time so really having 30 some odd more to go, that's only a couple more batches. So I'm going to try to get another batch done this weekend and then maybe another batch done after that. Because once I get into July, August, I could get some done too. But I really, I just want to get these done. So I'm not worrying about them anymore. Um, so that's a little bit of progress with that. I have really been burning up the track on the Craftsy classes. <laughs> I went back through when I finished off... Um, the one I had been working on for freaking ever, the uh, Ann Peterson's Beyond Basic Machine Quilting, which I did post a review on my blog about that mm, a couple weeks ago now, last week. I don't remember exactly when I finished it. Um, 
I had to decide when I finished it because I have not finished the class project, but I decided I would probably not likely finish the class project, but I've gotten out of the class what I intended to get out of the class. So I'm keeping the class project by my sewing machine because it'll be good to kind of warm up for working on other projects by going back to that one and doing some more background filler or whatever that I still have left to do on it. So it's going to be kind of an ongoing practice piece. So someday it might actually be finished, but it's not something I'm ever going to hang on my wall. <laughs> so it was, it's great for learning, but it's not, yeah, I mean, I didn't, and I'm not being overly hard on myself. I'm being a realist. Uh, there's parts of it I really like, parts of it that are clearly, I'm just learning how to machine quilt. So um, I'd much prefer to just keep it for practice and not worry or stress about every little stitch. And boy, is this going to look right on the, you know, when it's hanging on the wall and other people are seeing it. I don't want to have that in my head. So this is simply a very fancy <laughs> practice piece. Um, but anyway, so I did get that one done. And after that one, I kind of was like, I'm not quite in the mood yet to start the next one that I had on my docket, which is the thread art with Lola Jenkins which I really do want to get done this summer. I'm still very excited about doing it, but mentally I just wasn't ready to tackle that yet. So I was scrolling through the list, my craftsy list of the classes I have yet to be completed and went into the cooking classes and realized one of them, I was like, oh, now I remember starting that one. Let me see how far I got. And actually it was only like a lesson and a half away from the end. And I had already cooked quite a few things back when I had done it the first time when I'd started it based on the instructions. So I realized I'm actually really close to finishing this one. So I went ahead and finished that one off and I posted a review of that one. That was the um, pan sauces class and very, very good. By the way, I really highly recommend that one. Go back and read my review on my blog. Um, I really recommend that one. I really enjoyed it and got a lot out of it. And like I said, I'd made several of the recipes. I don't do a lot of stovetop cooking in the summer, so I probably won't be doing a lot of those sauces again until fall. But once fall comes, yeah, that's, oh man, that's a good class. Uh, the other class that I hadn't even started, but I decided it was one that would probably go pretty quickly was the pizza class with Peter Reinhardt. And so I finished that one as well and put a review, uh, review of that one on my blog. Tasty, 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 tasty. Uh, I had also taken his artisan bread making class. I really like his techniques for making bread and especially the kneading process, K-N-E-A-D-I-N-G. Um, he does it very differently from the way my mother did and the way I was taught how to do it and the way most people who make homemade bread do it. Um, it's a very different technique and I really like the way it goes and I like the results. Um, so out of the pizza class, we ate pizza for like a whole weekend because... <laughs> You can read about that in the blog. And then I made focaccia from a recipe also in that class, but I also had to balance it out with some of the artisan bread making um, class information on focaccia. And man, that was super good. That's definitely going to be something I'm putting in my arsenal for parties. It, um, I made, the the recipe makes three cake pans, like nine inch cake pans of focaccia. I only had two cake pans and a deep dish pie plate. Um, and so I made three focaccia, two of them with the same herb oil mix. And then the third one, basically the same herb oil mix. And then I threw some paprika in it. Next time I would throw more paprika in there. You could barely taste it. Um, was going to bring them all over to my in-laws house for Father's Day and had it all sliced up and nicely displayed in a basket with a towel thrown over it. And the basket was sitting on the kitchen table 
And I went upstairs to get ready to take a shower to go over to my in-laws. My husband had already left because he had to pick up some stuff on the way. And my daughter said, hollered up the stairs, hey, mom, I'm going to run over to the grocery store. I've got to pick up something. I was like, okay, that's fine. Not two minutes after she walked out of the house, I hear a clunk on the floor. And I immediately know what happened. I went running downstairs and there was doofus in the living room, which is like a, around the corner from the kitchen, um, looking very guilty and a stray piece of focaccia about a foot away from him on the floor. <laughs> and I was like, you didn't. And I went into the kitchen and sure enough, he had pulled the basket of focaccia off the table. Fortunately, it hadn't all fallen out on the floor. So about half of it was on the floor, and I just tossed all that out. Not only, you know, am I worried about dog hair on the floor, but I didn't know how much of it Sam had gotten his nose into. Um, the rest that was still in the basket, the towel had come over the top. So I, let's just say I was, you know, 95% sure his nose hadn't touched it. So I just very carefully upended the basket back away and didn't tell anybody that there was any chance whatsoever that his nose might have touched that. Um, I figured he was distracted enough with what he could easily get at, let alone getting into what he couldn't. Um, so I only ended up with about a focaccia and a half at my in-laws. It was gone in about 10 minutes. It That focaccia was so, so good. Um, so we are hosting at our house, my brother-in-law's, uh, 50th birthday party here at the, um, well, kind of the middle of July. And I think I'm probably going to be making several batches of focaccia for, for that because my brother-in-law, particularly the one who's going to be celebrating the birthday, loved it. I think he ate three or four pieces of it himself. So that'll be my birthday gift to him. Uh, so that's Craftsy Classes. I am now working at, well, actually, I just finished last night another class. I've just got to get um, the review posted on my blog, and I'll do that. Um, that turned out to be a class that didn't have a class project. It was a quilting class, no class project. So it was really just kind of a watch and learn and store the information away for later. And so I'll talk about that when I post my review on the blog. So this has been a banner month on the Craftsy Classes. That makes it four altogether, I think. Um, and I already mentioned that I'm taking the spinning classes. So that's two, well, really one class in two parts. Um, and apparently it's going to be a very small class. I got an email from the teacher today. This is the first class I will be taking from this particular uh, school. It's a weaving guild school. And I had tried to take another class because they periodically have hand dyeing classes, fiber dyeing classes. And I had signed up for one on marbling last year. A friend of mine and I had both signed up for it. And it got canceled at the last minute. And I was very disappointed. Um, but apparently we were the only two people that signed up. And I was like, well, could I pay the teacher to go <laughs> teach it anyway? So that, that never happened. Um, this one, I think there's only three of us in the class. But I think for a spinning class, the teacher probably feels like that might not be a bad idea to have a smaller class. So we're going to be doing both drop spindle and spinning wheel. Um, I, I get the impression that the first week is all drop spindle and the second week is spinning wheel. So it'll be a neat way for me to kind of be able to really learn this drop spindle thing that I've been trying and have not been overly successful at um, and see if that catches. But then also try out a spinning wheel. I don't plan on buying one, but it would be nice to actually sit at one and get a feel for how they work. So I'm very much looking forward to that. Um, postcard swap. Sandy Colwells of Quilt Cabana um, is hosting the summer postcard swap 
And I already have mine from my swap partner. I got mine from um, Eileen Sideways, as she's known on Twitter, aka Sue. It is really cute. It's a little um, sailboat that she appliqued on and then, or fused on and then uh, machine quilted over the top of it. It's very cute and very summery. Um, I'm going to get mine done this weekend. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm a little behind, although I'm still, well, no, I guess it was really kind of due. No, I think I'm still, if I can get it in the mail tomorrow, I'll still be good. <laughs> I am going to be a few days late, but she's getting it. Don't worry, Sue, it's coming. I did also get a postcard from Ozzy Pip, who is, who at the time was teaching herself how to make fabric postcards. So it wasn't part of the swap. She just sent me one randomly and I've heard rumors. She's sent them out to a few other people. It's very good, very good Ozzy Pip on your learning curve. And it's just full of really cool African, uh, not African, I'm sorry, Australian fabric. So it's very pretty. Uh, so now that gives me three postcards that I've got hanging on my wall. I've got this little postcard gallery going now on my um, sewing room wall. The one that I got from the holidays, actually I've got two now from the holidays because Sandy and I did a swap the very first year before we got anybody else involved. Um, and the holiday ones though get stored with my holiday de decorations because I like to hang them on the mantle. Uh, when I decorate for the holidays. Uh, but now that we're doing the swap year round, I wasn't quite sure what to do with the other postcards that I've been getting. And so I've just been hanging them up on my sewing room. And it's um, actually right next to my desk, so I can see them while I'm sitting at work too. And it's a very cute little gallery. I'm kind of into this whole postcard-sized project thing. That's kind of fun. Um, so anyway, I, I was thinking if Sandy keeps hosting the swap, I might eventually run out of <laughs> out of room. So I might have to come up with some other way to um, hang these postcards. But right now it's working really well. So thank you, Sandy, for for hosting that postcard swap. All of us who are involved in it are having a ball with it. And it's always fun to see on Twitter when people post their pictures of, I got mine today, and um, tweet the picture of it. And thank you, Sue, for mine. And I apologize that mine is a little bit late coming. Um, but you will get it, and hopefully you'll get it before you actually move. Okay, so that's what I've been doing. Let me give you a little bit of an update on a product review that I've already talked about. In the last episode, I talked about water-soluble or dissolvable basting thread and that I just sort of tested it out. Now I did actually use it on a project. I used it on um, the Building Blocks baby quilt, or I shouldn't call it a baby quilt anymore, the Building Blocks quilt that I made for my friend that I named Good Morning. I used it to baste that. And what I did was, um, I don't, did I spray baste it first? I think I might've spray basted it at first. I'm trying to remember. I sort of stabilized it a little bit first. And then I went in with the dissolvable basting thread and actually did stitch in the ditch through, you know, where all the major block lines were with the basting thread to stabilize everything before I did the machine quilting. And man, it worked like a charm. When I washed it, I just threw it in the wash like I normally do with a quilt before I send it off to somebody. Everything seems to have dissolved, no problem. I am sold on this stuff. So I went ahead and I ordered more. And I ended up ordering the Superior brand, not because I noticed any difference between the Superior and the YLI brand. Um, those were the two I kind of had tester uh, spools of. But I like the Superior website. That's really the only reason I went on there because I also wanted to buy some other threads. Um, the the Craftsy class I'm working on right now, or the one I just finished, is the CD is CD <laughs> Cindy Needham's 
design it quilt it class and she keeps talking about bottom line thread which i have some black bottom line that i have used as a bobbin thread that i bought you know as a sample somewhere but she uses it in machine quilting and free motion quilting for um, smaller detail designs where you you want a lighter weight thread and so I decided, you know what, that might really be the thread that would be best for this project. I've got the graduation gift project. Um, so I went ahead and bought a spool and it was on sale on Superior. So I'm getting a big one of their 2000 yard spools. <laughs> I really hope I like this stuff. And I got it in turquoise and it was on sale. It's normally 14 or $15 and it's on sale for 10, I think. So I bought a spool of that. And then I did also pick up some Try Me Specials on the Rainbows line. I, I talked about that not too far in the distant past uh, on an episode in which I talked about threads. I mentioned that Superior has these Try Me Specials where you can buy a spool of thread of one of their lines a little bit less expensively, but you don't choose the color. They just send it to you. Um, what I like to do, I've discovered, I did this once, you know, a few years back, and now I decided it was time to do it again is the Rainbows line is their trilobal polyester 60 weight, I want to say, but don't quote me on that. I don't know it for sure. Um, might be a 40 weight. I should look at it, but I don't remember. So, you know, look it up. I apologize that I'm not remembering offhand which weight it is, whether it's a thicker or thinner thread, but it's a beautiful variegated thread. Um, just gorgeous colors. And so I figured, you know, I can't go wrong. They can send me any of them and I'm going to love them. And I've been using some of those variegated threads on some of my practice pieces and stuff just to get a sense of, you know, the different types of variegations and how they look when you use them in different applications and that kind of thing. So I went ahead and got three more Try Me Special Spools and we'll see what colors they send. The other couple of um, products that I bought, these are new products to me, um, both based on Cindy Needham's class again. Uh, the first is, oh, what are they called? Basting Clips. And I'll have to, because I don't have it in front of me, I'll have to put the link on the show notes this episode, or if you're in Cindy Needham's class, she has it in her class materials. And there's sort of, she, in the class, she actually talks about uh, the, the metal clips that you use when you're camping for tablecloths, holding the tablecloths on the tablecloth on the table. Um, but she said that the other ones that she used were actually made to be quilting um basting clips and she uses those most of the time but she uses the metal ones if she's got a bigger table that she's using so I went ahead and I ordered the actual basting clips um, because what I've been doing I do most of my quilts are small enough that I can baste them on my cutting table the new one that I made new one it's yeah how many months old now anyway I just clear everything off the top of it and I use that to baste because I can get easily around three sides of it anyway and I have been using large binding clips which work well enough but to push them open wide enough to actually get around the width of the plywood top on my not plywood whatever it is press board top on my cutting table um, takes a fair amount of hand strength and so if I'm having to move them around a lot or doing you know a larger quilt where I have to keep kind of rotating it through or whatever my hands get pretty sore by the end of it um, so these basting clips are easier you just kind of slide them on I don't have to hold them with my palm and actually open them up or anything you just push them on and uh, they fit only a couple of sizes so you have to go when you look at the link in the website that I'll put in my show notes uh, you have to read 
their information about what size table and actually measure your table to be sure. Um, mine is on the outside edge of the size, but it does fit. And in fact, when I placed my order, um, she emailed me the next day, the woman that runs the store emailed me the next day to double check that I had measured the top of my table. So apparently they get a lot of people returning them or something. Um, so I'm going to be using those when I based up here. Now, the tablecloth clips, I decided that's something I can probably pick up at Target or Walmart or whatever sometime this summer when they've got all their summer stuff out because my tables that are in the basement, if I have to use my bigger tables to baste for a bigger quilt, those need something larger than what these little clips would do. And those tablecloth clips aren't all that expensive, so it would be worth it to me to probably have both as options. So that's a new product that I'm just trying. I haven't actually been able to use them on a quilt yet because I don't have anything to baste. Um, but it is nice to have those as an alternative to my large, painful binding clips. Uh, the other tool I decided to buy, also based on Cindy Needham's class, but it's something I'd been kind of thinking about for a while, is a different type of thread snip. Um, I use a Fisker's scissors, which I have used ever since I started quilting, and I love these scissors. Um, my mom used them, and she had multiple pairs around, and so when I started quilting, that was the tool I bought for myself, because that's what I was used to using. And I do love them, but the problem is they're straight uh, blade, so you're kind of having to poke it down onto the fabric. And every now and then I've gotten in a situation where I've been a little worried that I'm actually going to clip the fabric rather than the threads. Um, so instead, these thread snips are the Tooltron Easy Cut Spring Action Scissor. Now it's just that happens to be the brand. There's a ton of brands of these out there. And they're the ones that are the metal... Um, they're longer. They're not the, the inexpensive little plastic-covered ones. I hate those, mostly because they... When the two blades snip together, it makes this noise that just goes right down my spine. I can't handle that at all. So I, I don't like any of those little inexpensive plastic-handled snips. These are metal. They're a longer handle. Um, and then the blades themselves are very, very short. They're not even an inch, I don't think. And they're ever so slightly curved. Supposedly, they would even go in under your presser foot because I think they're made to, mostly to be used for embroidery. If you're doing machine embroidery, you can get in there and snip away. Um, I've not had to try that. I was just using them the other day when I was snipping apart my chain piecing and my, you know, doing some machine quilting, that kind of thing. Um, what I find about it, it is less tiring for your hand because you're snipping with, you're holding the thing with your fingertips rather than with your whole palm like you do the Fiskars. Um, and they have a very light action. They, they snip very, very quickly, and those blades are very sharp. So I am pleased with them. Um, the pair I bought cost about $10 when I was on Amazon. I just went and bought the one that she had suggested because I was too tired that day to do any research. There are a ton of brands out there. Had I done research ahead of time, I might have bought the um, Havels or Havels, H-A-V-E-L, that brand, since I've got their seam ripper that I love so much and they are really well known for very, very good scissors. Um, but, you know, who knows whether I would have actually felt a difference in the snips themselves. Um, all of the options that are out there seem to be somewhere between $8 and $15, so none of them are expensive. Um, I think the Havel's ones were maybe 12 and like I said, I paid 10 so it's not a big difference. Um, the, the only thing that threw me a little bit, the picture on Amazon of the one that I ordered was plain silver. And when I got it, it's some sort of rainbow titanium finish or something. It's all 
psychedelic. It's very rainbowy, and, and you know, I'm like, okay, not sure I'm keen on that, but you know, I'll live with it. It's only a ten dollar pair of thread snips. It's not going to kill me. Um, my only downside to it that I I'm not too keen on is my Fisker scissors have a little lock, so I can lock them closed. These don't. They have this little bitty plastic cap that you're trying to, you supposedly kind of squeeze over the tip. I think you're not supposed to just cover them. They're supposed to be there so you can grab them and snip fast, which is fine when I'm sitting at my sewing machine, but I'm not too sure about throwing these things in my toolbox to go on retreat in my tackle box. I'm a little afraid I'd reach in there to grab something and end up poking myself or whatever. I'm good at poking myself with sharp things. Uh, so anyway, that's the only kind of downside to them. Um, I suppose that just means someday I'll have to, you know, do one of those projects with fiddly bits and make myself a uh, cloth cover for them or something. Um, but anyway, those are my two uh, product, new product reviews for you, the Spring Action Scissor and the Based in Clips. I do like both of them, and they are both based on Cindy Needham's recommendation. So speaking of Cindy Needham, do be watching on my blog sometime this weekend or next week. I will be getting my review up of her class as well. Uh, so that's all my content for this episode. Let me go to my um, listener feedback. Okay, I'm going through these, uh, hopefully in order by what they are responding to, although I might have mixed some things up a little bit. Um, got an email from Quirky Quilter, who also, Susan, who also let me know that she was also disappointed in the book by Angela Walters. That was the last one that I, the free motion quilting workbook that I mentioned. Um, she says this should have been her first book published. And she said um, she really needs to spend more time practicing free motion quilting before I can really think about what to put where. It does not matter how good it looks on paper if you can't replicate it on fabric. Um, and it's true. You know, for me, it's that's part of what has been hard when I've been trying to choose quilting designs, it's really limited by what I can actually do <laughs> capably. Um, but the other thing I'm finding out is that I'm much worse at drawing the quilting designs than I am at quilting them. When I'm do working in my sketchbook, I'm like, oh crud, this doesn't look at all good. I can't figure this one out. And then I sit down and finally, you know, okay, bag the drawing. I'm just going to sit down and knock this thing out no matter how bad it looks. And it looks a lot better. So apparently it's something for me about the drawing thing that I just get myself all mentally blocked up or whatever, that it goes more smoothly once I get on the machine. The drawing does help in terms of figuring out how to get yourself out of corners <laughs> and how to travel from one part to another. Just sort of, you know, and that's what you're doing when you're drawing is building the muscle memory. But I've learned not to judge how good I might be at quilting a design by how well I'm drawing it because I really don't draw well. Uh, so anyway, thank you for your comment, Susan. I appreciate that. Uh, Debbie left a comment on my Craftsy Class Review Homestyle Pan Sauces with Martha Holmberg, and she says she probably wouldn't have watched it without my recommendation because she's gluten sensitive, so she didn't think the class would have anything useful, but she was totally wrong. Um, the class was great, and is she's excited to try the gluten-free recipe. You know, I'm kind of thinking, Debbie, whether maybe this was supposed to be a comment on the um, pizza <laughs> class, because I don't remember much about gluten. I mean, I know in some pan sauces there might be a little bit of flour or whatever, but there, I don't remember anything specific to gluten-free in that class. So I'm wondering if this uh, comment was supposed to be on the pizza class, in which, yes, there is a gluten-free pizza recipe. Um, so anyway, thank you, Debbie, for your comment, no matter what blog it was supposed to be on. 
Uh, Bo Liz commented on the Perfect Pizza class uh, that she also loved it. She's done it before. And now that she, her husband used to take make their homemade pizzas. But now that she took the class and made him some pizza, she has now been designated the fr chef for their Friday night pizza. Um, and she just raves about the class as well. And they even bought a pizza stone and a pizza peel. Um, I have a peel, but I don't like it very much. It's a wooden one, and it, it just, I think it's too cheap, and the wood is too um, porous because it just grabs on. Even if I put corn flour or I mean, cornmeal or flour or whatever on the pizza peel to get it more slippery, it never, the pizza does not slide off that thing. Um, so I think I need to get a better one. I don't, I used to have a pizza stone, but I got rid of it. But now that I've taken these classes, I've, and especially with the bread making, class what I really want to do is get one of the nice big rectangle ones which are not cheap so I haven't gotten it yet um anyway Bo Liz also has problems hand stretching the dough and getting it into a circle <laughs> so like I said in the blog good thing geometry doesn't affect taste uh thank you also to Karen who also commented on the perfect pizza at home with Peter Reinhardt and she lives in the city where Peter R. lives and works. And she sent me a newspaper clipping because he had just been in the newspaper that day that she commented me um, talking about his crafty classes. He said over 90,000 people had signed up for the free pizza class and 12,000 for the bread class. And then um, the journalist asked him all sorts of questions about how he gets paid and all of that kind of stuff. Um, so if you're interested in all of that, she did, uh, yeah, she did post the newspaper article in a comment on that blog post as well so if you're interested in reading that go back to my blog crafty class review perfect pizza at home with peter reinhardt and look for karen's comments and you'll be able to read that newspaper article as well it was very interesting karen thank you so much for sharing that with me thank you to noni noni for her comment on my crafty class review beyond basic machine quilting with ann peterson um, she says she also took that class because I have so many projects, I did not do the class project, but applied what she taught me to my own projects. And she talked about some um, how she chooses her threads, Noni, and she tends to use the fine threads that match the fabrics in the top. She likes the way that looks better, and because she has some mobility issues, it's more forgiving, and then she gets to see the reverse image on the back of the quilt, which is where she um, critiques her own quilting. And um, I also generally choose a matching thread when I'm doing real quilting, but when I've been doing these practice pieces, I've very intentionally been choosing a high contrast thread so I can really see what I'm doing. And it's also giving me a chance to play with all these wonderful threads that I wouldn't necessarily be using otherwise on projects that I, because they don't match. So um, thank you for that comment, Noni. Um, Marge in Alberta commented also on my Beyond Basic Machine Quilting review, and she said she bought that class some time ago, but has yet to watch it, um, as she rarely does this sort of quilting. Most of her work is smaller art pieces. Um, however, she does have some large bed quilts on her to make list, and so um, she's thinking she's going to start watching that one. She said she owns Ann Peterson's quilting large quilts on a small machine, which is invaluable. And thank you, Marge, for enabling, because I haven't bought that class yet. It's in my wish list. So what I think what I'm going to do is work my way through several more of the machine quilting classes I already own and then go to that one. I'm, I'm finding that I've fallen into this kind of nice progression very unintentionally with the classes I've taken from simplicity to complexity. And I think quilting large quilts on a small machine kind of helps you figure out, okay, now that you know all these designs and what you're doing, how do you put this 
into practice when you've got a honking big quilt on your little tiny domestic machine. So anyway, thank you for that recommendation. Um, Denise said, thanks for the review. This is also on Beyond Basic Machine Quilting. Uh, she just started the class she talks about. She's also tried Pounce Powder and also had the same problem I did as she was working with a light fabric. Um, but she says, here's a tip I learned from another blog somewhere. Some, sorry, I don't remember where. Use a piece of tool and draw your pattern on it. Then place it on top of your quilt and trace over the tool with a fabric marker. It goes through the tool. I'm testing using Crayola washable markers for this. Initial results are good, but more testing needs to be done. Um, thank you, Denise. I have read that tip before. I have never personally tried it. So if any of you out there are listening, um, let us know if you've used that technique and whether you like it, whether you don't like it, if you've found any tips or tricks to make it work better or whatever, things to be careful of, let us know. I'd appreciate it. Um, Denise... Also, uh, this is a, a different Denise. Did I already say a Denise? I'm sorry. Um, left a comment on an old podcast episode, episode 143, in which I build a cutting table for Martin Luther King Jr. sew-in. And that was posted way back in January. And she said, I just found your podcast and have been catching up. God bless you, Denise, for listening to a lot of episodes all at once. Uh, she says, I wish I would have listened to this episode sooner because just two weeks ago, my husband and I built the very same cutting table. I could have learned from you, A, how long it takes, and B, to use the 3M stuff to keep the top on. We used double-sided mounting tape, which my husband now worries is going to take the finish off the cube storage units if we ever take the thing apart. But overall, unless I move houses, I can't see ever taking it apart because it's perfect in every other way. Did you ever do a blog post about it? I wasn't able to find that. You know what? I don't think I did because I haven't actually, <laughs> I haven't finished it yet. <laughs> I still have to put the edging on the top of the table and I haven't gotten to that yet. I've really, I've got to. You know, it's just one of those things where every time I start to think, you know, I get to a weekend, I'm like, okay, I'm going to do that this weekend. And I pull out the edging thing and I try to picture myself, how am I going to do this? How is this going to work? And I just decide, I'd rather so. And I put it away again. So I really, maybe this weekend, I should just get her done. And then I could post my blog post all about it. Um, Lauren commented on episode 157 in which I went on retreat, which I posted back in the middle of May. She also uses a tackle box for her traveling quilty toolbox, but she had never thought about putting a supply list inside the lid. And so she's thinking about doing that. She has packing lists for her suitcases when she travels. So having one for her toolbox makes perfect sense. Um, oh, and she says, because I believe I had also talked in that one about, um, walking with my dog and wanting to have, thinking about wanting to put like a wallet on his collar for uh, my ID and all that kind of stuff. But then I said, I don't think I'd want it on the dog in case he took off, then I'd be there without an ID. And so Lauren commented on it. She said, always have at least an expired credit card or library card or some form of ID with you at all times. One of the pastors in my presbytery was seriously injured by a hit and run driver while out on an early morning bike ride. And while he got to the hospital in good time, without ID, the staff could not contact his wife to get necessary permissions in a timely manner. Um, and she said it might not be a bad idea to have the contact info attached to your dog as well in case you get separated. So, um, yeah, I, I do always have my ID on me no matter where I go. And actually, I've got a follow up on that whole dog wallet, dog collar wallet thing, but I don't want to take the time in this episode <laughs> to talk about it. So I'll make a note to myself to do that 
next time. Um, thank you to Beverly for her comment on my finely flimsy finished few blog post. And she asked what type of pen or marker I used on the la label and how it held up in the wash. Um, and she says, I'm making a signature quilt for my daughter's wedding and need to make sure to use the right marker pen. And I had emailed her back and said I would also put this question out to my listeners. Because when I do a label like that, I just use a Sharpie. And um, I don't even heat set it or anything. Generally, I don't write on the, la the label until it's come out of the wash. So basically, I'm kind of making it the next person's problem. Um, I don't know that it's overly permanent. I do think it's going to fade. Uh, so for those of you who have done signature quilts, that kind of thing, um, give your advice. Leave a comment on the show notes of this episode for Beverly about what kind of um, sign or what kind of pens to use. I know that the one I did a signature quilt years and years and years ago. Oh, probably twelve years ago now. So tools were very different back then. I did the signatures on the back of the quilt. I used I did a normal quilt on the front, and then I did a plain muslin on the back, and just had people sign the back instead. And I just put out fabric markers. Um, I might have heat set them. I might have. I don't know that for sure. Um, but I do know I got a look at the quilt just recently, just a few months ago. I was in my friend's office, the friend that had gotten the quilt, and she's got it hanging on her wall. It always has been hanging on her wall ever since I made it. And I just flipped up the back, um, and the the signatures were all still quite visible, but they're against a wall, so they're not getting affected by light at all. Uh, so if any of you have good advice for Beverly on what kinds of pens to use on signature uh, markers, please do. And, oh, Bola is another comment she left on my flimsy finish finish further. Uh, she said she does use dissolvable thread on a lot of her quilts to stabilize it before doing her free motion quilting. Once done and bound, I throw it in the washing machine on a no-detergent quick cold water wash to dissolve the thread. Then I wash on warm with detergent and dry as usual, along with a couple of color catchers to be safe. We love our color catchers. Um, so again, Bolas does hers in a cold water wash to dissolve the thread. I just threw mine in. It still seemed to dissolve the thread. Some of that might depend on what brand of dissolvable thread you're using or whatever. Um, or maybe I was just lucky. I don't know. <laughs> So anyway, uh, that's another person saying, yeah, that's great stuff to use when you're basting your quilt. Thank you also to Kati, Quilt and Jenny, Jackie. There, okay, there were two Denises. I thought I had said that name twice. I think that's everybody. I know it's been a couple of weeks, so I haven't been able to track it quite as easily. So that's it for this episode. And um, like I said, I'm, I'm not necessarily going to say whether or not you're going to hear from me next week because I'm really just trying to attend to my energy levels and my mood in any given time so that I know I've got the ability to take care of those tasks I need to take care of at these moments. Uh, so hope you're having a wonderful summer so far. Um, around here, kids still aren't quite done with school. They just start finishing up this week, but I know some of you have had children home from school much longer than that. Some of you are child-free um, <laughs> or or children um, yo-yoing back and forth between home and other places, uh, which is kind of the status I'm in, the yo-yo children stage. Uh, so hopefully in all of that, you're able to get some relaxation in, a lot of sewing in, maybe some time outside in the sun. Those of you who live in the other hemisphere and are starting to head into winter, I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> But this is when I can start kind of gloating a little bit, you know, as opposed to the other half of the year when I'm whining about how darn cold it is and I'm seeing pictures from Australia of people 
next to lakes with pretty blue skies and nice green trees. So now we're getting our own back. Uh, so I guess that's it for this episode. I will talk to you again whenever I talk to you. You know how you can get a hold of me. You can email me at sandyquilts at gmail.com, sandy with a Y, quilts with a Z. You can follow the blog. You can follow me on Twitter, Pinterest, Goodreads, um, Flickr, all of those places. I'm Sandy Quilts, Sandy with a Y, quilts with a Z. You can like the Quilting for the Rest of Us page on Facebook. You can join the Quilting for the Rest of Us Flickr group. Please do. And of course, you can join the Quilting for the Rest of Us Kiva team and do good all over the world. And you can find links for all of those things at www.quiltingfortherestofus.com. And until next time, whenever it might be, go get your quilty on. Quilting for the Rest of Us is dedicated to Shirley. Love you, Mom. Thank you.